Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 330 on Tuesday the 14th of January 2014. Great to see you. My name is Robbie Ferguson. Great to see you. My name is Erica Lalonde. Hello. Hello. What's going on? Well, it's been a while and it's been going really well. Good. Um, I got to teach my entire break off skiing every day. Break off? Work. Work. Not really break off. Well, to me, I, it's a break off because I'm not used uh, to working every day. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> and I'm more used to... ski slopes anyway, so that's fun. Well, that's, it's fun. Um, I can say no injuries are my students. Yes. And they all followed my rule except a couple. Ah. But my number one rule when I, when I teach skiing is no falling. <laughs> that's a rule. It's awesome. a rule. Awesome rule to have when you Erica, what do we got coming up in the newsroom tonight? Um, in the newsroom tonight, um, Intel has just announced a Linux computer the size of an SD card. Joy of joys, Mate is coming to Ubuntu. And remember the intelligent thermostat Krista showed you on episode 214? The company that makes it is being bought out by Google. Wow. And a Linux-powered slow cooker that can be controlled from your smartphone. Interesting. So stick around for these stories. They're coming up in the newsroom later. Awesome. Thanks, Erica. Tonight we're going to learn about a, a really awesome project that aims to take your Nikon camera and make it have an absolute amazing feature set. That's the goal. Uh, we're going to be talking to Simeon Pilgrim from the Nikon Hacker Project. And we're going to be learning all about how they hack the Nikon firmware. So much time and so little to do. Wait a minute. No. Flip that. Reverse it. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a great show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. This is Category 5 Technology TV. It's so nice to have you here. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, again, I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Erica Long. Erica, it is nice to see you, as always. Uh, hey, I want to show you our mobile website. Um, it's m.cat5.tv. I don't need to show you. You can just bring it up on your device. m.cat5.tv. I do have a QR code, but I'm watching these names fly by, and uh, so I can't, I can't show you just now. But... Uh, yeah. There's quite a bit. There's a lot of people involved in making this thing happen, folks. <laughs> I mean, we're a member of all of these things. Erica? Well, we are a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. And at cat.tv. 
TV. Cat5.tv slash TPN. Cat5.tpn and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. That one's even harder. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. 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 I know. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> All right, now I can do it. There, there, yes. There you go. Scan the code. It'll yeah. give you the mobile website. We have our live streaming audio and video as well as on-demand video. So check that out. Hey, we use a piece of software here at Category 5 Technology TV that we love. Um, takes care of all of those overlays that you see. I know I had to kind of wait for that one off the top of the show. Um, then I showed you that one. I've got, you know, any camera switching. Anytime I want to do fancy stuff like that, digital zoom, zoom in on Erica, zoom out. We've got the lower third graphics. We can take those away. That's called Telestream Wirecast. Takes care of our broadcasting. Takes care of our st- uh, streaming live as well as record to disc. So that later, after the show, we can upload the show to our RSS syndicates, and you can receive those from Miro Internet TV, Roku, basically any device Mm -hmm. that supports RSS feeds uh, or has access to Tech Podcast Network or any of the syndicate partners that we work with. Telestream Wirecast, we are giving away a professional copy. We're talking the $1,000 product here. Uh, All you have to do is email me live at category5.tv with the subject line... I want Wirecast. That's all you got to do. Live at Category5.tv. I want Wirecast is the subject line, and in the body of the email, I need to know your registered username on Category5.tv. Don't worry if you're not already registered. All you have to do do is register. That's it. (laughs) Sounds so logical when she says it. Go over to (laughs) Category5.tv and click on Login, Register up at the top. Sign up for our free service, and then email me with your registered username. It's that easy. Uh, That's all you got to do. We're going to have a draw coming up on a future show when we are going to be uh, giving you a full tutorial on Wirecast 5, uh, this very software that you'll be able to win. So in the meantime, tonight, Mm -hmm. I really want to learn to take a cheap Nikon DSLR, a digital camera, and turn it into a feature-packed workhorse. So we've got a very, very special guest with us tonight. Simeon Pilgrim uh, joins us from NikonHacker.com. Simeon, thanks for joining us tonight. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Robbie. Yeah, cheers. First of all, Nikon Hacker, uh, what is it you guys do? (laughs) Big question. Nikons. DSRs. Um, Yeah, we're just reverse engineering the firmware that Nikon releases for their cameras to try turn more cool stuff on or make them better (laughs) (laughs) so okay make it better why do you guys exist what brought this about um, (laughs) it's uh, a loaded question um always is like any like any product there's a commercial reality of what the company wants to sell and what they feel they can sell at a price point and what a hardware can do and uh, so I brought the low-end um, D5100 while I was in the States, and yep. um, and it looked identical to the D7000, except for it had some physical buttons missing, and it had some modes missing, and, and it had some software menus missing, and it was like, I reckon they're pretty close myself. So, you know, scratching around the interweb, and everyone's like, oh, they've all encrypted the firmware, you can't do anything here. And I was just like, okay, well, let's have a look at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just sort of, just, that's where it started from was really I have a toy. It's winter. 
There's only so many many pictures of snow on patio furniture one person can take before the internet tells you it's wrong. And then you just want to do more. You just want to do more. Uh, Is there a specific reason beyond picking up a Nikon D5100? Is there a specific reason that you're working with Nikon cameras? Uh, Because I brought a Nikon camera. Is Is that really where? Is that what it stems from? Yep. (laughs) It's really that simple. If I had brought a Canon, I would have been doing Magic Lantern. Interesting. So I guess, well, I guess having bought a D5100 and being a reverse engineer yourself, all of a sudden it hits you that, okay, well, here's a great camera, but uh, there's a real lack of reverse engineered firmware patches available for the Nikon line of cameras. You mentioned uh, Magic Lantern, which is for the Canon cameras. There's really nothing of that caliber for Nikon users. So is that kind of a a bit of a part of that? Yeah, it was. I mean, I I hadn't. I don't know if I'd seen the Magic Lantern. I might have got it about seen it about the same time after I brought my camera. I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I wish I could do that. And I was like, well, what's stopping me? I know how to do a lot of those things. So <laughs> that that was the initial impetus for me. Was like, okay, well, what will that take? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, how many people now? You know, it started out with you walking and picking up your D5100 and deciding, hey, I want to make this thing more like a D7000, how many people are now involved, uh, at least specifically? I know you've got a growing community, but as far as specifically people who are working on the firmware patches, how many people are involved in Nikon Hacker? Uh, There's probably about six core people that Mm -hmm. are working on it. I should have written it down so I could have given you the exact number. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we've got, we grew um, Max. I mean, I was just, I originally just threw stuff out of my blog and and Max, um, he put up Nikon hack because he had been thinking of doing a hardware hack for them, like via the USB port. Mm -hmm. So once he saw my stuff, um, mentioned on one of the photography blogs, he sort of contacted me, and then within short order, uh, Vicny joined. He's from Belgium, so we had Max from the US, uh, Vicny from Belgium, Lee Gong joined pretty soon after then. He's from China. Wow. Uh, we've got Code Rat from Germany, and we've got Access from. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling a bit disappointed at this point. I didn't choose a really awesome handle. I'm Simeon. That's that's good. I'm, that's good for me. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like you guys are not to cut you off because I, I don't know if there are more names. And, and sorry if we're cutting off a name drop, but Simeon, it sounds like you're a very diverse uh, group from around the world, and this type of infrastructure for any kind of project wasn't possible say 20 years ago before a a real Uh solid internet here we are we've got this world where you can collaborate in this way how has that been uh, you've been around the 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 block enough times to or for a long enough time to realize that you know this is a really cool way to do things how has that been for you guys as far as collaboration goes oh it's 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 crazy i mean compared to you know when I was a kid, and you'd be hacking your, your DOS games, and you'd break out your hex BBSs. Entries. Yeah, your BBS, <laughs> and the number of people you could tell were, and I was from New Zealand, so BBSs were like one or two. And, yeah. and it was just like, so the number of people you could share with something was like zero, and you'd you'd get things like, oh, look at this nugget. Oh, my God, this is so exciting. This yeah. is how I turn on EGA on my computer. Whoa. I hacked a um, door game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So there's many old school geeky things like that, but uh, oh, it's it's awesome because for a large part, 
everyone's speaking English, which is convenient for me because I yeah. speak English badly, you know, bad <laughs> speller. So everyone else speaks it as a second language and has terrible grammar. I speak it as a first language. So you all get along right off the bat. Which, perfectly, yeah. Perfect. Lots of confusion. Perfect. What do you mean there? Oh, oh I see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. But no, I mean, so we're all in different time zones. I mean, there's bits of it that are weird that's like, oh, like in my evening, there tends to be nobody on. So yep. sometimes in my morning, there's people on. So I jump on and see what they've done overnight and then you a bit of to and fro and collaborating and then you get home in the evening and you're like what's happened to the, during the day while i've been at work it's like nothing sure. that's right <laughs> but waking uh, up in the morning and realizing that you got a lot of work done in your sleep that's got to feel pretty good it is it is so you end up saying oh i'm stuck here i can't work out this can anyone find where this function's called from or what what does this mean and yeah. you know you get up next morning and there's some answers and you're like yeah isn't um, that awesome yeah that's really nice so let's let's talk a little bit about the firmware itself or the firmware patches that you're releasing with Nikon Hacker. Are there risks involved in patching my D5100 or D7000 or D800? What kind of risks am I taking to do that? Uh, yes, there are very risks. Not that um, you've ever had the, it happen. Yeah, well, <laughs> full disclosure, I have destroyed my own camera patching my own firmware that we wrote onto my camera. So That yes, should be in the, on the website I, disclaimer, realistically. I mean, here's my camera. I broke it building this for you guys. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yes, it, it does happen. And it's, uh, it's a very vulnerable because you're doing a full system reflash. So sure. you're re- – well, for all intents and purposes, we'll say a full system reflash. You're rewriting the, in one operation yep. both firmware that run on both CPUs that run on the chip. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually three firmware that run, just to be really boring and pedantic, but um, you're rewriting two of them, and if either of them are wrong in any way, pretty much the system doesn't start up. Right. Um, and, and that was the mistake we made on ours. We put some instructions, we wrote some code, and went, oh, yeah, this looks great. We yeah. flashed it on, Push it and basically... He made the first process of while it was trying to work out what to do next, throw an exception, and then it just went, well, I know what to do. I'll start loading again. And uh, <laughs> you don't right. recover from that. So, so now so, you're you're doing active development, so I can understand, yeah, you're probably going to brick hardware because you're trying things that are crazy, like stuff that we would yeah. never do to our cameras because you're developing this stuff. Is it safer for us because we're basically receiving the released code the stuff that you've already tested and you know is there is there less of a risk for us as end users yes yes very much so so we have what i call four stages of code development and on the patch site there's released and beta test um okay patches release patches are something that i've tested other people have tested people have been running on the camera for maybe up to a month and they haven't reported any quirky weird things or if they have reported quirky weird things none of them seem to be you know dangerous they're just sure yeah don't do that the screen blanks out yeah. um you know shortcomings in the software stuff that when the, you reflash it's probably going to fix that anyways right exactly so a lot of it is like as long as it as long as the feature delivers most of what it wants and um, doesn't do anything horrible, then we'll probably release it. And and that's what the main patcher is. Then we have a beta patcher, which is something where maybe someone's tested it for half an hour and they could flash it and reflash, which means it was recoverable. Yep. And that's that's what we put on beta. Then we there's occasionally I'll release patches and call it alpha, which kind of means... 
this code should be fine, but I've not even run it on a camera because I don't have one, Yikes. and I want someone else to volunteer <laughs> their camera to run this. Full disclosure, com- yeah. And then there's sort of the stuff of, gee whiz, I don't even know, I think, holding fingers, tongue sticking to side of mouth. And that's what I installed that type of software on my camera. Gotcha. And it went inside. <laughs> so with Nikon Hacker, at this point, Simeon, what would you say is your proudest achievement? Uh, I reckon uh, getting getting rid of the, even though it actually is probably least applicable to the most people, getting rid of the uh, high pass filter. I think it's called the high pass filter on mm. the uh, on the camera. So the, there were some astro guys that were taking pictures of stars, and Nikon has a. A, a filter where it's trying to hot pixel this hot pixel suppression filter that's what it's called uh-huh. and uh so if you run your camera and the, the camera goes oh there's a single pixel that was really hot and all the pixels around it were black or dull let's say and so it just comes along even in raw and just kneecaps that hot pixel oh, to get wow. rid of it yeah so that and and i mean it's a yield management thing i mean i sure. understand why they do it because you know yeah, otherwise, lots of people are like, oh, there's 17 hot pixels in my one. I want a new camera. And it's like, well, you generally don't care about you know the quality of one pixel, whereas the Astro guys do. Wow. So, so they, they've they actually implemented something that mutes those pixels so that I don't know that I have a dead pixel, if, if that's the case? Or a hot pixel. Yeah. So it's a, it's a hot pixel, not a dead pixel. My, okay. Sorry, I don't, my computer just uh, locked me out. I don't know if the camera's I can still working. hear you, so, uh, and okay. we can see you. That's fine. <laughs> Screensaver modes. Unbelievable. Yeah, so, so, I mean, I point my camera up at the sky and I want to take a nice slow shutter picture of the stars. And because there's just these pinpricks of light, my camera says, oh, those are hot pixels. So you guys yeah. have actually been able to get around that issue. That's cool. Yeah, so we found, there's a service mode where you'd send it some commands and you could take a picture and the hot pixel filter was turned off. And one yep. of the Astro guys noticed when I released a patch for this thing. I said, I don't know what this does. And he looked and went, hey, the hot pixel thing seems to be turned off. So then wow. we're digging through the code yep. to find, you know, of the 20 places, this change makes a difference. Which one was the one? So that myself, I'm right. the most proud of because that took the most digging yep. to get working on my path. Uh that's very cool. Uh, and congrats on the progress so far. Do you have specific goals, perhaps even like visions, dreams of basically amazing features that your community is just going to be blown away by? Uh, not specific ones. I mean, in reality, my real goal is to get it to a state um, where other people can easily write new code. So yeah. um, I, I'll compare it to Magic Lantern again for simplicity is that they have a system where you can write some code in C and I've got all these hooks, but you're writing C code and you're doing stuff and then you compile it and it builds a patch and it knows how to wind it all together and you build an image and it loads it dynamically off your flash card so you aren't reflashing yeah, yeah. your mm-hmm. software. It's dynamically loading it, which makes it much safer and faster to explore. To be in a state like that, that's my goal. Because then, right. you know, you can hand it off to 101 other people that have 
time and knowledge and brilliance mm. to do other things. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the moment, it's all, right, okay, find some space to put your new assembly in. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's too much arcane knowledge at the moment. And so we need to break through that pain barrier. I guess you're still really at the point where you're reverse engineering this thing out the wazoo and you're basically figuring out how Nikon has done the things that they've done and then yeah. trying to patch those things. So we're not necessarily yeah. introducing new code at this point, to at least to some end, but really s- modifying the code that already exists. Is that kind of where we're at? Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're turning on features that they turned off, either because they weren't production grade or sure. for marketing reasons. Um, yeah, I think sometimes too, they just will strip away certain features from some cameras because there's the next one up is $200 more, right? And they, exactly, want, to, yeah. they want you to buy the $200 more camera. Yeah, and that and that's a fair a fair call. You know, there's plenty of people on the internet that hate companies for doing that. But sure, well, yeah, that's that's my statement. That's not Simeon's <laughs> statement, but that's you know an, an assumption that I have. So yeah, so, oh, and I think they do it. But if you can buy the two hundred dollar cheaper and turn the feature on, now ex- we're winning. Exactly. Now we're catching on, folks. We're buying yeah. the cheaper camera and enabling the features of the firmware that is already available in the hardware that has been turned off because they want you to buy the more expensive one. That's where I want to see Nikon Hacker get to. And I think it kind of boils down to this for me, Simeon, because we're a webcast um, broadcast, and we we work within a budget, and we we appeal to our viewers and say, can you contribute so that we can buy the $4,000 video camera that's required to get HD quality, like real HD quality video, right? Yeah. You've owned a D5100. You know what the quality is like. I'm going to actually switch cameras now so that you can see the difference in this broadcast by simply switching to the Nikon D5100. It's not an expensive camera. We already own one. So, Simeon, if you were able to make it so that this camera could become a broadcast camera for Telestream Wirecast, I think there's a whole industry there that would say here's a, a cheap solution. Let's go to these guys. And instead of investing $4,000 in a, in a video camera, let's, let's spend seven or 800 on a camera. Let's donate 500 to these guys for making it possible. And we've now got this camera for $1,200, $1,300. That's equivalent quality wise to say the $4,000 HD broadcast camera. So how do we get to that point right now? You've got embedded, you've got the HDMI output, full screen, clean video, coming out from a a Nikon DSLR. And so for those of you who are working with Telestream Wirecast and wanting to be able to broadcast from a DSLR, realistically, I think the the drawbacks, there's two drawbacks that I see, Simeon, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but um, the first one is that we're not actually getting full-frame HD video off of the HDMI. So we've got a 720p frame, it seems, but we've got letterboxing around all the edges. So we're getting a little bit yeah. less than, say, 720p. So we'd have to stretch up our video to achieve a 720p canvas. So that's a bit of a problem. But also, um, with the D5100 in particular, and I think a lot of the Nikon cameras, the, the longest that they will stay on without actually being in record mode is 15 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. So... Is that a feature that maybe you're aware of and that as you work on, I mean, full screen HDMI video obviously is for broadcasting. Um, there's really not another use for it. People say, well, why would you want that to hook it up to your TV and point it at the kids when you could just record? No, it's really, it's about broadcasting. It's about being able to broadcast, yeah. isn't it? F- live from, an, yeah. uh, from a, a cheap, really good quality camera with 
nice f-stop features and good lenses interchangeable lenses without having to spend forty thousand dollars with for a red or something like that so so do those features do you see the potential there in that market i would say i do i i mean uh some of the the effort that went into the the clean hdmi was for that reason i mean Mm -hmm. you could pretend that nikon hacker was a commercial operation at which point you'd say okay where is my customer base yep and and which of my customers have money and right you know but not they're going i I mean if i so not that this is how we think but you know you'd think about it still you go okay well i've got the people who brought a camera and they want some you know neat features so they can do better bracketing and you go okay well they don't necessarily have money. Or then you go, okay, you've got people who brought a camera and okay. it completely maxed out their budget. Yeah. So much so that they want to buy an off-brand battery to save $10. Do exactly. they have any spare money? It's like, well, they're saving $10. <laughs> they don't have much spare sure. money. They're not going to be somewhere who's going to give us $500 for donations because they love the work. Right. And then you go, well, there's broadcasters. And at which point you're, you're competing with the Magic Lantern guys. But at the same time, it's you know people who are trying to avoid the NK solutions to get something in the hundreds, yeah. then that is a, a sensible market. Um, sure. Magic Lantern, uh, that, of course, dr- Magic Lantern is, is Canon, right? And I, I'm yeah. going to prefer Nikon all the way, so that's where I want you guys to come in, right? But yeah. fact is, okay, so if I'm going to buy a camera as a photographer, okay, realistically, yeah. thinking about the two different, because we're talking about people who have money who would actually donate, because you're donation supported, and that's what I, I suppose pays yeah. the bills. So if I was a photographer and I had $500 in my hand extra that I could spend, as a photographer, I'm going to go and buy a $500 more expensive camera. Poor wording, but I'm yeah. going to spend $500 more on a better camera. Guaranteed, that's yeah. how I'm going to spend the money. As video guys, we, we own our DSLRs and we can buy a DSLR. They're you know, seven $800 and it's fine. But it's when we want to increase our video quality, that's where we're saying, oh, my goodness, it's $4,000. It's a completely different spectrum. So my perspective is not, am I going to put $500 more into a camera to get better photos? No, my perspective is I'm going to have to pay three, dollars $4,000 in order to get better video. So for me, what you're doing could save me thousands of dollars. That's what it boils down yeah. to for me. Um, Simeon, I hate to do this, but we're just going to take a really, really quick break. Somebody was mentioning in our chat room, and thank you very much, um, that the DSLR tonight is just a little bit out of focus. So I'm going to manually um, set the exposure level and the focus myself and then come right back. We're just going to take a really, really short break to give myself the chance to do that. So we'll be right back with Simeon Pilgrim from NikonHacker.com. Don't go away. At EcoAlkalines, we believe you should be able to trust your batteries not just here, but here, here, and here. But with one exception, you should also be able to trust your batteries here. EcoAlkalines are the world's first and only certified carbon-neutral battery manufactured to the highest standards of recycling and quality, without any trace amounts of harmful chemicals like mercury, lead, or cadmium. EcoAlkalines provide performance that rivals leading national alkaline battery brands at a comparable price. Find out more about the EcoAlkalines difference. EcoAlkalines.com 
This is Category 5 Technology TV. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm speaking with Simeon Pilgrim from NikonHacker.com and had the opportunity there, thanks to our chat room, just to uh, tweak the focus as well as the uh, the auto exposure on the D5100. So I've set everything to manual mode just to give you a real sense of the difference in quality. Here we are on a regular camera. Let's switch back to the D5100 now with the manual mode settings. So you'll see the quality now. Imagine this could be the quality of Category 5 technology TV. So, Simeon, as a broadcaster myself, of course, I look at this as an opportunity at Nikon Hacker and, and using something as, as affordable and economical as a D5100. I look at that as a chance for you to be able to um, tap into a whole, uh, just a gamut of people who are doing um, broadcasting from small studios. I think about churches that want to be able to broadcast from uh, you know their services, but they can't necessarily afford to purchase these really, really expensive cameras. You've got an opportunity here, realistically, to uh, impact uh, a, a group of broadcasters uh, by providing a, a cheaper alternative, I think. I mean, I'm looking at it from our perspective. Uh, so what's really to stop us from saying, okay, well, if I'm going to spend 3000 or $4,000 on a new uh, video camera, well, if you are doing the development and you've created something that, and I know this is still in beta, but if you've been able to create something, hypothetically saying, that would allow us to now work with an existing piece of hardware and it would look this good, I mean, viewers, what would you think of that? Would we not say, okay, well, we've been saving up to buy a new video camera. Why don't we instead donate a contribution to the Nikon Hacker Group and thank them for making it so that we can use cheaper hardware and, you know, we can have this camera or maybe two or three cameras that are exponentially cheaper than what we're, you know, what we're budgeting to get. Because as a broadcaster, we're looking to have the best video quality that we possibly can. So I wonder, Simeon, if that is, you know, if that's realistic to say that, you know, do you believe that, um, that we might get to the point with Nikon Hacker that, these cameras could become the next big broadcasting camera for, say, Telestream Wirecast. And should our viewers be contributing to that project to say, uh, we really want you to make it so that Category 5 and other broadcasts can have this kind of quality um, just by, based on existing hardware, cheap hardware, that, and your project? Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's a question or a statement. Well, that's it's kind of my statement. That's that's. It, yeah. it, so is it? Do you think it's going to be possible? And I know that this is entirely hypothetical at this juncture, but I think you guys understand yeah. the the potential here. Uh, for and I think about Telestream Wirecast broadcasting camera switcher. The, somebody could buy three or four digital Nikon cameras, set these things up to Wirecast, put a 300 or 400 millimeter zoom lens on that thing, and you've got a better rig than these guys who have paid a, a half a million dollars. Realistically, that's a crazy, yeah. like that's crazy to even think of. So, you know, can we get to that point? That's, that's my question. I, I think it's completely within the bounds of what, where this, this project could go. Um, right. I uh, being a software developer <laughs> by day job, I yep. I hate to say, oh yeah, we can do that. Oh yes, like you can do anything if you throw enough time, money, or effort at it. Yep. Um, uh, the the gate the the inverse of that is, well, why have we not done that yet? And 
and it's a little bit of well there's a, a, a manpower thing and there's access to hardware to so like a, a good example on the clean hdmi that was reasonably testable because we could plug you know you can plug your your camera into your tv and see that the hdmi is clean and then there were a whole lot of guys went oh but we've got these ninja capture cards which i'd read about and i know of and like it's still a copy protected stream so they won't record it because the stream is copy protected right, for some yeah, reason that's like, the other problem. thanks Nikon mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know that was their second whammy so you go okay now you have to work out how to remove that but it's like I don't have a ninja capture card so I can't prove yeah. what I mean so there's a sort of thing like you can stare at code and assembly and try guess which value is turning a thing on or off on a chipset because it's all driven through the chipsets mm-hmm. um so the first plea would be to any of your community is anyone who signed an NDA with Nikon or the chipset makers of their cameras that <laughs> wants hmm. to throw us the specification sheet. I'm not asking you to do it, but if, if anyone did, oh, wouldn't that be I would nice? read it. Yeah. Yes, that would be the thing that would probably make us go forward the fastest is actually having chipset um, specs for the, the MPEG encoder chips. Um, but it's all custom ASIC, so sure. where there are spec sheets, but it's so, that would probably be the biggest gating problem There's so, money and manpower. Simeon, here's another perspective that you're kind of alluding to here. Nikon's view on Nikon Hacker. Okay, Nikon, we talked about <laughs> they, they have to they they have to sell cameras, so they need to limit features and things like that. But a lot of times, I mean, yeah. in the UK, there are laws and taxes applied to video cameras that are not applied to DSLRs. So if they release their camera as a video camera without the 15-minute limit, without you know this and that, all of a sudden they're having to pay more to the government. They're having to charge more to their customers. So they strip out those kinds of features because there are laws that say that it's not a video camera, it's a DSLR. So yeah. is there any potential? I don't. What is Nikon's view of what you're doing? And Because and, uh, they're obviously aware. Um, have you had any communication with them? And is there any potential that they might even say, hey, quietly, here's, here's <laughs> a piece of paper that has some specifications on it for you? Well, we have asked them for specifications. So I haven't, I haven't um, directly tried to contact them, but um, a number of members have, you know, gone through the process of please, can we have this, or mm-hmm. to the the other manufacturers. So we haven't had anything positive back. Okay. Um, and and the one one rep that I ended up communicating with as soon as they worked out what was, oh, well, that's unsupported. We can't help you. Sorry. And so, uh, to one level, you can't expect much more of them. And and really, if they were giving me much more support, I would still tell you they're not. <laughs> right, sure. To turn around sure. and say, yes, they, they broke. No, no. I, I would love it. I would absolutely love it if they were somehow quietly assisting. Um, it would be awesome. But yeah. um, I don't I don't expect that that will happen. Yeah, so um, any viewers who have ties at Nikon in any way, you make sure you contact me. I'm going to hook you up with Simeon. And we're going to make sure we get him some paperwork, and we'll we'll work out a deal. All right, Simeon, it's so nice to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us tonight, uh, Simeon. Of course, from yeah. NikonHacker.com. We are just about out of, out of time here, Simeon, uh, for for our interview. But really awesome to have you here. Thanks for being here today and talking about your project. I'm very excited about what's to come from Nikon Hacker, and you know what we're going to be able to do with our cameras. And we've we've talked all about some of the features that that we might expect. The process itself is really easy, I'll just say for the viewers, and I'm going to show you a little bit about how this is done. But um, you use Silverlight, 
which is a little bit inconvenient for us Linux guys because we've got to, I don't know, install a virtual machine. We can grab uh, like a Windows starter edition off modern.ie or something and install Silverlight, and then we can go about our patching process. But it's very, very seamless, and you're not actually distributing hacked firmwares. You're, we're uploading the firmware. Your patching program is giving us a revised firmware. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, so, yeah. Originally, I had a command line problem. Uh, program that did the patching so it was all done your side and that just got a lot of support questions like what's a command prompt and (laughs) i double click it and nothing happens sure like okay so we need to move beyond command prompts because that's not helping and then i could have written a windows ui and something like delphi that would have been cross-platform or you know wine friendly Sure, um, to your yeah. Linux users, yep. but I'm not a Delphi programmer, so I didn't. So uh, I do a lot of <laughs> .NET, so I thought Silverlight, and I knew there was Moonlight. I'm sure Moonlight, I don't know if it's still Yeah, out I guess there. we can get it on Linux, but it's a little complex to set up. Um, so okay, is there so any potential that we could see a command line version for Linux at any time? I mean, just because the chat room wants to know. That ah yeah, f- fully. That uh, it's it's completely doable. Um, I know the, I totally sound reasons- like a forum uh, monkey <laughs> well, right now, who's going in and saying, "Here's what I want. Here's what I want," and you're probably thinking, "Oh yeah, it's all possible." But you know, well, as in it started as command line. I took the engine and wrapped it behind a Silverlight UI, so you can click buttons and it turns things on okay. and off. And so Silverlight's and the so front shows end. some helpful text. Gotcha. The Silverlight was just the the engine, so I could get my code running on someone's computer. So again, the the Silverlight's running on their PC, so they download the program. It runs in the Silverlight as effectively the virtual environment. Mm-hmm. And then it's patched on their machine, so we're not distributing the firmware was the, the stance that we wanted to take. All right. Simeon, what can we do to help your project? And uh, by <laughs> us, I mean our community. I mean all our viewers, everybody who's watching right now, everybody on Miro Internet TV, YouTube, uh, Roku, wherever you're watching from, how can we help you? Um... Is it money? Is it? Do you need cameras? Money's good. We like money. All right. At this point, uh, you know, donations are are muchly appreciated. Uh, Sort of, we're tied with up of what should we bit like? There's a lot of people going, oh, can we get awesome video features for the high-end cameras? And it's like, well, high-end cameras have a high-end price, and you know, so there's those things, or more more low-end cameras for more of the developers, or to to replace hardware if we make mistakes. Uh, information if you know people that know things not just oh i did a google search um because we've done a lot of those uh so if you you have information that would be uh game changing that's probably the big ones okay so money and info keep that in mind folks (laughs) uh how can we contact you simeon how can we get a hold of you if we've got that information ah well uh you can contact me at simianpilgrim at gmail.com or anything you want at simianpilgrim.com. Um, uh, yep, that's how you can contact me directly or you could jump on the forum and uh, probably send a private message if, if you've got information and probably send a private message to yeah. one of the core <laughs> development team. See if a public message saying, I've got info. Yeah, that's probably the, the best ways. Okay. Well, it's NikonHacker.com. Thank you for all that you're doing, Simeon, and thanks to your team. I know it's not a one-man show anymore, but uh, you know it's, it's really great what you're doing, and some of the, the features um, are just awesome 
that are being introduced to our Nikon cameras. Uh, it's still young, and we're still going to see a lot of growth over the next little while, uh, but we're standing by, and, and uh, you know, if, you, if there's anything we can ever do, uh, make sure you let us know. We're happy to promote you or, or share links or whatever we need to do. So, Simeon, great having you on the show. Thanks for being here. It's SimeonPilgrim.com is his blog, and NikonHacker.com as well. Thanks, Simeon. Thank you. Have a great evening. You too. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Erica Lalonde. Erica, before we, uh, before we get into the news, because I know that we went a little long with Simeon, I really find you know everything that you're, you're mm-hmm. doing just awesome. Um, some of the people in the chat room were mentioning there that... Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't... Uh, I'm focused on that camera. Um, some of the people in the chat room mentioning that when I switched over to the D5100, maybe the contrasts are a little bit off, coloring mm-hmm. is a little bit off. Fact is... Um, Ideally, I would probably have somebody operating the camera during a live broadcast if, if we were to go that, right. if we could go that route, because then they can work on the focus. And if we hold something up, they can, because autofocus, as you saw there, just is not a good idea, uh, because mm-hmm. it had a beautiful, clear focal point on my background, but I was a little bit fuzzy there. Uh, thank you to Jot for pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, really... To have somebody there that could adjust the the um, contrast, the exposure, everything uh, right there on the camera would be fantastic. Or if I had, say, uh, a subject that you know has my same skin tone or maybe even whatever, and I could I could work with the camera and get a good color, good contrast. If I had a, a white board that I could do some white balancing, mm-hmm. um, th- those kind of things can all be done. Now tonight we didn't take the time to do that. We very, very quickly set up the cameras and, and did that for you just so that you could see. And I hope that you were able to see the quality difference. That's I really what I wanted to point out. Um, colorization, that More can all clear. be tweaked. Okay, that can all be tweaked on the camera. I could have worked with the exposure a little bit if I had more than just a 30-second spot to, to set the manual controls. Um, so I apologize for that, but hopefully you're able to see beyond that. So thank you again to Simeon Pilgrim from NikonHacker.com. Hope everybody enjoyed the feature tonight, and do let us know your experience uh, with Nikon Hacker. I'm definitely giving that a try. Excellent. <laughs> she sold... Um- I'm sold. Five minutes. Normally, I remember when I tried to um, hack my iPod. Remember the old jailbreak? You jailbreaking on it? Yeah, and that took forever. Oh, yeah. Well, this product is so easy. You saw <laughs> um, I had some um, screen recordings there that I played for you in, uh, during the interview. Uh, it's really just you upload the firmware, you choose what patches you want, and you download your revised firmware. Then you put it on your SD card, and you just upgrade your firmware and the camera from the SD card. And that's it's great. really not easy. It takes I, a few minutes, and make sure you have a charged battery. Um, Simeon's blog, simeonpilgrim.com, uh, in fact, has some really good details step-by-step on how to go about the process. So it's, it's almost, you know, that's a good place to start. So, Well, what do you say? Um, that's really all the time that we mm-hmm. should give to the interview, and we'll get into the, uh, the news stories. So, Erica, So here are your top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. If you think the Raspberry Pi is, is tiny... Get this, Intel has announced a Linux computer roughly the size of an SD card. It is called Intel Edison, and it is a full-blown system on a chip, commonly called SOC. The Edison was demonstrated at CES by Intel CEO, because apparently that's what CEOs do at CES. And the tiny computer (laughs) has a dual-core Quark processor, which is roughly one-fifth of the size of the Intel Atom and uses 10% of the power. Unreal. 
Can you imagine? Okay, so this is look at the, in the hand there. So an SD wow. card, the the chip that you put in your camera, and is that small? This is the world that we're living in. That we're getting to that point where it's that big computers are, are you know, and we see it in our phones. And you were saying, you know, your iPods, and it's incredible what's happening. So I like though here in this in this particular picture from CES 2014. What will you make? So they're appealing to the manufacturers to say, okay, well, we've got this amazing chip. Um, what can, how can you top it, basically? Well, what can you put in it? Like, oh, What yeah. can you put this chip in? What can you build from this? You were mentioning, and I think we're going to hear a little bit about it um, tonight. I'm going to tell you about the slow cooker. That is, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so you, know, you get these little, little chips. Who knows it's like what, what, can, what can you build with it? It's crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm excited about this. April's release of Ubuntu 14.04 is going to, for the first time, include the Mate desktop environment straight from the Ubuntu Software Center. So you'll be able to install it right there in Ubuntu Software Center. Version 1.6 of Mate, the GNOME 2 fork, uh, preserves the traditional two-panel desktop layout used in pre-Unity Ubuntu. Um, so it's the one that I love. It's what you see when we bring up our screen with, uh, with Point Linux as well. So it's been uploaded to the trusty proposed repository for testing and if no conflicts arise it will actually be made available to all trusty testers through the main repository soon after. So I wonder with Mate, okay, mm-hmm. we've got XFCE is Ubuntu, we've got KDE is Kubuntu, Mate, Mubuntu, with Mubuntu. even more super cow powers. That'll be the jingle. You watch. Moo. <laughs> Moo. All right. Yeah. Moo. <laughs> Moo. Boo-do. They'll have a cow, and that's the... A robot cow. It'll be sweet. That's cool. I'm excited about that. That'll bring, that'll bring Ubuntu back to my desktops. That'd be awesome. Mm. Well, if you guys remember, on episode 214, Krista dressed up as the paper bag princess. And she showed us that the Nest Labs intelligent thermostat, and now, two and a half years later, Google has announced plans to buy Nest Labs for $3.2 billion. Whoa. And it's continuing to string of recent acquisitions. So... Google said the cash deal was expected to be completed in the next few months. And the California-based Nest Labs was actually founded by two former Apple executives. And it produces a thermostat capable of learning user behavior and working out whether a building is occupied or not using temperature, humidity, activity, and light sensors. And the firm will continue to be run by Chief Executive Tony Fadell and maintain its own distant identity, um, and Google said in its statement. That's awesome. I I was saying before the show, we were just having a little bit of a chat about it. I have a a programmable thermostat, but I've never learned to program it. I know that's really lame, right? But it's like, I just set it to 72 and I just let it go and and there's nothing else that I need to do. That's all there is to it, right? So here's one that actually learns as I adjust the thermostat or as I like at a certain temperature, mm-hmm. it will actually learn from my usage and start operating in a way that I like. Interesting that Google paid billions of dollars, cash, <laughs> c- 
cash. Just here Hello. you go. Here you go. Here's a big stack. I don't. What I would you how- do if you started up a company? I mean, you used to work at Apple. You started up this little company that makes thermostats, and then all of a sudden, this guy from Google walks in with a couple of suitcases worth like full of cash, and he just sits down. And Probably says, had to order one of those. Want to sell Nest armored trucks to deliver it or there you something? Go. Yeah, all in one dollar bills. And like, what do you do in your house? Like Canadian uh, pennies. They Canadian all the Canadian pennies. pennies. Because they can't use them anymore, so here you go, Canadian <laughs> pennies, cash. <laughs> I think oh. that's so crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Okay, look at this. Is it a slow cooker? Yeah, but did you hear that they got internet on slow cookers now? What? Wi-Fi slow cookers. <laughs> okay, at CES last year, Belkin announced that they were going to be launching a line of connected appliances. So you think about a fridge with a screen, and it keeps your grocery list. No, true to their word, the smart cooker has been released. Well, announced, I should say, at CES this year. So not quite released yet, but it's announced. The Smart Cooker is a Linux-powered slow cooker, and it uses uh, Wemo. It's an operating system that allows you to control your devices, your appliances, from the comfort of your smartphone, be it an iPhone, uh, an Android device. Um, You can actually control the device wherever you are. It doesn't matter if you're in the house. You can be at work, and you can start the slow cooker. Belkin is also working on a connected coffee maker, but unless it's connected directly to the water supply and has a built-in grinder, I can't see a real use for that, logically. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we are finally at the point where Linux is almost on everything, including the slow cooker. At at this present time, I think Linux users can do a little dance. Do a little dance. And just be like, we own the crock pot. There you go. We own the crock pot. (laughs) <laughs> Crockpot, next thing, coffee well, if maker. if you think about it, yeah. Once like, we have the toaster, <laughs> then there's no stopping us. You could be in your bedroom, go in your... Like, this is for college kids. This is a great sure. thing. So I actually knew a guy. It's and, not really... It, it, or maybe anybody. college it, kids. Well, thinking of college kids... They're going to steal the iPhone from the, the guy in the dorm next door, and they're going to turn on his <laughs> slow cooker in the middle of the night, turn it off when it's supposed to be cooking, brew coffee during the day, pour water all over the counter. Yes, we'll be using That's it what's going to happen pranks. to the college kids. But it's it like makes... It's like the toilet. <laughs> it's like that flushable toilet. But it makes the things bidet, easier. I knew this guy, yeah. and he had a... Instead of having your alarm clock... And like everything connected to your bed, your 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 like tablet, your laptop, whatever. He had the toaster connected right beside his bed, and a mini fridge beside his bread, his bed. That was bread. The and bread he, <laughs> the toast. The and bed, he had he had yeah, he had the bread confusing. sitting on top of the fridge, which was his night table. Yes. And he had so the toaster is already on. He literally doesn't have to even look. Grabs the bread. Puts it in the toaster and already has a plastic nom, nom, knife nom. there and ready to butter. Oh, Pops boy. up before he even gets out of his room. Now He's already he can eaten. do that from his iPhone. Yeah. So he How just, cool is that? He doesn't have to. I guess you let him know. Like, almost there. Oh, awesome. The stories that inspire a nation. And... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, those are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. The Category 5.TV newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contribution from our community of viewers. If you've got a news story that you think is worthy of on-air mention, email us newsroom at Category 5.TV. The Category 5.TV newsroom tonight is brought to you in part by Eco Alkalines. They are available at Best Buy and Future Shop in Canada. Also, they are coming to Countdown Grocery Stores in New Zealand. Yeah. 
And get this, they're already in the UK, so look for them. It's called Eco Alkalines. They are environmentally responsible batteries. For the Category 5.TV Newsroom, I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Erica Lalonde. <laughs> All right. Hey, Erica, have you got some questions for me from the uh, community of viewers tonight? Oh. Nice to see you all uh, in the chat room. Yes. Yes. If you have any questions in the chat room, now would be the perfect time. Not to digress at all, but <laughs> Simeon Pilgrim in our chat room says, Oh, man, what would happen if he spilled his water oh. on the toaster, on the fridge, <laughs> next to the bed? That's dangerous stuff. Yeah, that's right. like a whole. But we don't. That's th- just yeah. We don't think about that's that. Why? <laughs> yeah. We're more focused on the eight a.m. class we're forced to go to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes sense. That's a, that's a good question, but I don't think if I tell him, he'll <laughs> be like. We would ask, but he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what do you got for me? He Erica? tripped over the, all the crumbs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we um we actually have a question from Rob Gore. Hey Rob Gore. And he says just um uh writing to you thank you for your kind words from you and Sasha from last week's show. Okay, a couple weeks ago at this point, but yeah, dude. He's doing well and Good. after being in like being in the hospital for a week, he's created a Facebook group, nice. which acts as a dis- discussion support group, and the group is called Tetraology of Fallouts, and is and cardiac uh, awareness. I love so that she, there's she a link. attacked that, Rob Gore. Way to send her some really complicated words. Yeah, I saw the Facebook group, and I and I th- thought it was you know it was neat to see Rob Gore, um, you know, just you know just see how he was progressing you could really see mm-hmm. that after the operation he started to get some energy back and the smile came back and um we're very very glad to hear that surgery went well and that uh, that you're on the mend and doing well and already complaining about the weather because it's apparently too hot in australia too hot in australia yeah it's like six degrees here colder now uh last week was minus 30 c yeah, I know. A week ago. I was ago, teaching A week that. ago, it was I, minus 30, minus 40. I was 40. talking about that today. Minus 30, and then five days later, yeah. six days later, oh, by the way, it's like plus four, plus five. And you think, oh, that's that's crazy, but that's where, where it really stinks? 30 degree it difference. It makes me a bad father, and I try to be a good father. But here's what I mean by that. The weekend, <laughs> we had so much snow, it was crazy. Like we had, I had four feet of snow at the end of my driveway where the plow came along and, and oh. I had to dig this heavy stuff out. It was horrible. Monday, I had to cancel my chiropractic appointment because it took me an hour and a half to shovel the driveway by hand. Mm. So then I got to then work, you have to make another got to work a little bit late. Yeah, your back would hurt. That's all neither here nor there. So yeah, exactly. I got hurt shoveling drive. I had to be really, really careful because I knew I wasn't going to make it into the chiropractor. So got all that done. And Tuesday was like minus 30, minus 40. We did the show and everything and blah, blah, blah. way too cold to take the kids outside and play. We had all this snow. We were going to build a fort in the front yard. And I said, okay, we're going to do it this weekend. Weekend came. It, it rained. Melts. It melted. It got warm. And oh, we went from no. four or five feet of snow in the to front this. yard to just a little wee bit of compacted icy slush. Yeah. Didn't get to build a snowman. Didn't get to build the snow fort. That's what I mean. I think you just won father And Rob Gore comes in and says, oh, it's 38 degrees. It's so hot. It's like 100F. 
And I'm like, dude, turn on the air conditioner. Uh, it's more like turn up the heater here. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, I don't know. We don't sympathize when it's hot. No, we do not. It is. It's <laughs> nice. But it, I guess we are kind of like that because our summers are getting hotter and like we're always like, oh, it's too hot now. And I laughed when it was minus 40. I said they call this global warming because <laughs> it's a real thing. <laughs> All right. Next question. We Thanks, Rob Gore. <laughs> Thank you very much for your question. It's good to hear that you're doing better. And M. Allen West has yeah. a question. It says, hi, Robbie and everyone from Category 5. Um, I was on YouTube and I found this video. It seems Honda Asimo robot ah. is powered by Ubuntu Linux OS. Really? And on the video, at 6 minutes and 31 seconds, you can see the Ubuntu Linux icon on the terminal screen. And he gives us the link. Okay, that, that is pretty cool. So we got the... T- we got... Wait, not the toaster yet. But we got the crock pot. We got, we got Asimo? Asimo. What? Or Ashimo? Ashimo. How do you say it? <laughs> Ashimo. I think that works. I don't even no. know... Okay. <laughs> Where is it? Six something? Asimo's head. Asimo. Six, six, six minutes and, and 31, 31 seconds. seconds. Okay. We're ready to go, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Engineers continue to make improvements. Here we go. 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. Oh, oh. Well, there whoa. it is. <laughs> Buttons are on the left. Looks like some SSH screens. Most innovative feature. Yeah. It's advanced intelligence. Look at that. That is a Ubuntu. There you go. SSH on Ubuntu Linux. Nice one. Good call. That's a good Nice find. find that it just happens to be in there. So they're controlling Asimo from wow. Linux. There you go. And actually, I watched that. I watched one of these videos. I remember in school, like beginning of high school, they showed us one of these, and it would have been no- good to know that. Now you know. But now I know. Teach the children, folks. It's smart thing to do. <laughs> when, when when Dad says, you know, who who uses Linux? Everybody's on Windows. He'd be like, Ashimo uses Linux. <laughs> <laughs> we All just right. need to come up with a, a list of good things he's done. Ashimo? Yeah. He almost walked upstairs. What? Almost. That's something. He's like a toddler. <laughs> like a really top-heavy toddler. All right. Hey, thanks for the comment, M. Allen West. Do we have, like, a real quick one? We've got about two minutes before the end of the show. Thank you for sending in your questions. Uh, great to see everybody in the chat room. Zoran Soon, nice to see you. Invincible Mutant. Tennessee Frank Masterminds, <laughs> a.k.a. Zero Hour. Always complains that I mispronounce his name. Don't even ask It's a me. joke. <laughs> Mastermind. Zero, zero hour. That's supposed nice to be to French with the H? No. No. It's short. Short form. Okay, how are you supposed right, to you know that? Anyway. Well, I know it. I just give him a hard time. <laughs> you, you know it. I, I don't. But now I know. <laughs> um, we actually have a comment from Good Guy. Oh, hey, Good Guy. And he said, take a look at what this person did with the Amazon drones and the Raspberry Pi. Okay. You guys are sending us all your comments and videos and links and things tonight. Awesome. Okay, so the Amazon Prime Air drone. Now, we've been talking about this kind of off and on at the office, how Mm -hmm. I ordered, really becoming a a big fan of the piano guys, i got to say. Awesome stuff on YouTube. 
check them out. Just do a search on on YouTube for the Piano Guys. They do awesome stuff. Anyway, so becoming a fan of them. Sunday, uh, I sat down with my six year old son. We ordered from Amazon the two uh, non Christmas CDs because we already have the Christmas CD. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, it arrived. And How was, does that happen? What? So I'm even closer that was crazy. to their distribution center. Well, there you go. So <laughs> apparently there's one in Mississauga, and they shipped it, and it got here the next day. So needless to say, they're working to Whoa. make things really, really fast. So that's where the topic comes up. So what I'm going to do um, is I'm going to post a link to this because we don't really have time to – I don't have time to read this and find out what it is that you're showing us here, good guy. So I'm going to post a link. Um, looks like somebody's done something fun with the Amazon delivery – drone and will uh, and a raspberry pi maybe built one built something similar with a raspberry pi that'd be I'll pretty cool link. yeah <laughs> that's all the time that we have for tonight though um next week we are going to be launching the category 5 merch store so if you didn't get a category 5 sticker right if you didn't order one of those during our indiegogo campaign you'll be able to get some of those be able to get a Category 5 shirt or whatever other swag that you want to pick up that swag. has the Category 5 logo. You can put it on your coffee mug. You can put mug. it on your coffee mug. This I have it on my through, laptop. This has been through the dishwasher, and it's great. Perfect. It's safe. pristine. And it's not a, it's not a Category 5 mug. This but you is can make a, your own. This is a white mug that I picked up for 4 bucks, and it's a Category 5 premium vinyl sticker. That's what White and black. Yeah, it has both, so... That's all the time that we have for tonight. So just to let you know what else is coming up next week beyond the store, uh, Eric Kidd is going to be joining us mm-hmm. here in the studio. We're going to be learning how to keep your data safe on Microsoft Windows using uh, the Chameleon Data Encryption Keys. Uh, you don't want to miss that. Really, really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Erica, for being here tonight. And thank you guys for watching. Thanks, everybody. Have an awesome week. And uh, we'll see you next Tuesday night. Same time. Night. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 